1: And as Pastor Luke said, if you are visiting today, or if it's your first time, you are so welcome to come back. We would love you to be a part of what God is doing in the church here. And I love church on Christmas Day. You can generally tell uh, who's cooking by how fast people move at the end of the service to the doors. Some people just absolutely leg it. Um, and so that's, hey, they're on, they're on food today. Uh, but it's great to have you here. This is my first time actually preaching on Christmas Day in main service or in the adult service. For many years, I would do Christmas Day in the kids' service. And so I thought I would just share my kids' message in one minute, what I used to do next door. Which was, I would always present the Christmas story. We would talk about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph. And then I would share the point, just one point, it's the way you go in kids ministry, one point, which is that Jesus is the greatest gift of all time. And the reason he's the greatest gift is that there's no assembly required, never loses power, and is complete. And, and the reason that means a lot to a kid is because I remember getting a Lego for Christmas one year. It was a Lego night and I was excited about the image on the box. Less excited about the six hours it took to make the night. <laughs> but that's not like Christ because when we receive the gift of Jesus in our life, there is no assembly required that Christ comes in his fullness into our life and brings transformative power and incredible change right away. He never loses power, unlike my Nintendo DS. I remember getting a Nintendo DS for Christmas, taking it for a, a, a Boxing Day picnic, and the thing died on me right at the start of the picnic. And so I then had to proceed to talk to people and actually eat cheese and pate, which I didn't want to do. But Jesus never loses power. No matter where the gift of Jesus goes with you and he's in your life, he is always alive, he's always moving, always speaking. We had a tradition in our house growing up where on Christmas Eve, our parents would let us pick one present to open and you could open the rest in the morning. But the problem with that was, or the challenge, was that you had to pick based on what the gift looked like. And so you just had to kind of scope the tree and hope you got the one that you wanted that night. Um, And one year I hit the jackpot because we were getting a PlayStation 2. And so I was excited about the PlayStation 2 and I was excited to get a game with it. And I think it was Batman Racing. Terrible game. Anyway. (laughs) I I picked right and opened up Batman Racing and was excited but didn't realise that I had the game but not the console. (laughs) So, while the boys had made other choices, they were able to enjoy some of their presents that night, I was enjoying holding the case, looking forward to the promise to come. But the prophecy was true, and I did get a PlayStation 2 the next day. But when you receive the gift of Jesus Christ in your life, it's complete right away. There's nothing missing. There's no extra things you need to do. There's no extra pieces that you need to gather. There's no pilgrimages you need to go on. Uh, The gift of Jesus Christ is complete right away. And so you have an opportunity today to receive the greatest gift of all, which is the gift that came at Christmas, which is God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who came to the earth, who was fully God, yet fully man. And He sinned not. The Bible tells us, He who had no sin would become sin, so that you and I might be the righteousness of God. It's because of his life and his death and his resurrection that we can have forgiveness and salvation. And what the Bible tells us, we can have friendship with God. That is the greatest gift you could ever receive. Better than a Nintendo DS. Better than Batman racing. (laughs) Better than any Lego you could get. But hey, as an adult, better than any dream you have in your heart any goal you could kick, any amount of money you could acquire, any amount of status that you could gain. It is nothing compared to receiving Jesus Christ in your life. So, and that, that's usually the point where all the five-year-olds are just reaching out for Jesus and we have revival. That was what used to happen over there. Um, we're going to read some scripture together. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and this is the birth of Jesus foretold. Uh, it says this, We're going to just zip forward a little bit to chapter two verse six. It says, "While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid." Amen. Who loves that story? Yeah. The greatest story ever told is what they say. I think that's true. Yeah. But everybody, the Bible is the story of holy God, a loving God, and broken people, a created people, and the gap between the two. The solution to the gap, the solution to that which separates humanity from God. Our createdness, our brokenness, our sin, the gap has been closed through Jesus Christ. Yeah. The, the carol that we sing, born that, that man no more shall die, that's not talking about physical death, because you know people obviously die, but it is talking about how spiritually now it is possible that man no more shall die, yeah. because those who believe in Christ shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. It's because of Jesus Christ that the gap between humanity and a loving God has been closed. And it also means that we don't have to die spiritually, but we can have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. amen, Amen. He is worthy of our praise and of our worship and of our lives and of our surrender. Mary gave of her body for God to use. Joseph, his pride. Yeah. It'd be a big deal today, but an even bigger deal back then for a man to be engaged to someone who was pregnant with a child. But the message was worth it. What was coming into the world, what God was bringing through Jesus, was worth their sacrifice. And ultimately, the sacrifices were made so that God could connect with you, that God could reconcile you back to Himself. For you and I, you know, the message about Jesus is, is Jesus. It's that it's God in the flesh, the Word became flesh, yeah. coming to the earth to live a sinless life, to show us the way to live. He would then die the death that we deserved, receive the punishment that we deserved, yet He would rise again. That The sin would stay dead in the grave, but Christ would rise again yeah. and then would ascend to heaven and leave behind the Holy Spirit. The Nativity, the story of Christmas, it shows us that Christ was human, it shows us that he was humble, and it shows us that he was here. Yeah. We, we worship the Godhead. We we celebrate God as three in one God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. And many people try to give an analogy for this concept, but it's pretty difficult. Uh, many times I've had, in my experience as a Christian, people show me the egg. Where they say the shells, the Holy Spirit, the egg whites, God, Jesus is the yolk. It's not quite accurate.
0: <laughs>
1: Sometimes it's the ice, so the Holy Spirit's steam, Jesus is water, and God's the ice cube. Again, not great. Um, someone was telling me about the, the, the Cerberus, the, uh, the Greek animal with three heads on one dog's body. We're getting there, but not great. (laughs) But I will say this if you come up to me afterwards and say, What is the right analogy? I couldn't tell you. Because, Pastor Div will, but. (laughs) My. I will say this, there are going to be times where our finite minds trying to understand some of the infinite aspects of who God is, we're not going to quite get it. When we get to glory, we'll go, oh, I should have told them that. (laughs) But we do worship the Godhead. Our God is three in one. God, the Father, Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. John chapter 1 verse 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus being fully God and fully man means he can empathise with us. He understands us. He He lived like you and I in a way. He experienced joy. He experienced grief. He experienced loss. Christ experienced sorrow. He, experiences, uh, he experienced pain. Um, he understands when we go through pain. He understands when we're tempted. He lived like us, yet he did not sin. He was fully God and yet fully man. He has carved out for us a path for us to follow. He has showed us the way. We learn from Scripture that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And what's so powerful about him being the way is that he lived out the way in human flesh. That is unique to any other belief system or religion on the earth. The nativity shows us that he was humble. You know, there's passages in scripture about who will ascend for me? Who will ascend to get to God? Who will ascend to communicate with God? What's incredible about the story is that God descended into our our world, into our mess down into the dirt, to come and reach us, to come and touch us, and to come and be the sacrifice for us. The stable, the manger, the donkey, this was not an elaborate arrival. This was a humble entrance. I don't know if you've seen the kids' movie, The Star. It's about the nativity story. Um, It's not obviously very accurate to Scripture because there wasn't a CG mouse back then talking. (laughs) But one thing I loved about the movie is that the the whole birth of Jesus in it is pretty quiet. It's tucked away in this quiet section of Bethlehem. No one else is around. And I thought, man, that's a pretty cool representation because it would have been a bit like that. It wasn't this loud, elaborate thing. There wouldn't have been lights, no flashing signs, no car park team ushering the wise men in. It was very discreet and quiet. It was the humblest of entrances for God in a bod to come. It shows us that he's humble. The unlikeliest of ways to enter to save everybody. And you know, people that were anticipating the arrival of the Messiah were more so anticipating a warrior, a strong warrior to triumphantly come and to come and take over the Roman Empire and relieve the Jewish people. But instead of getting this strong, mighty warrior with a sword entering on this massive horse, we get a child come on a donkey and born into a feeding trough. But what is promised is that one day he will come like that epic soldier with a massive sword, ready to release his people. So that will happen. But this, this first arrival of our Saviour was humble. And it teaches us something about him. It speaks of his humility. It speaks of his servanthood. It speaks of his seeking. And it speaks of his reaching. He was coming to reach out to you and I. I don't know if you've ever, like, uh, seen in school when kids write, like, Jim was here. It was massive when I was in school. And uh, you're just trying to let people know that you were here. You know, I'd see on my school locker, it would say, like, Ben was here. And I'm like, oh, Ben, nice. Yeah. Ben was here. Really, the nativity and what we celebrate at Christmas, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, Uh, It is a reminder, it is proof to you and I that Jesus was here. He did come. He did arrive here. He physically was here. And the Bible has hundreds of prophecies for telling the coming saviour. And what we don't realise is that pop culture has drawn from this. Uh, Because you look at Star Wars... Anakin Skywalker coming, The Chosen One, The Prophecies, all that fulfilment stuff. Just think about every sci-fi movie you've seen where somebody goes, the prophecies were true. That has come from Scripture. And what's amazing about the Bible is that we have people thousands of miles away and hundreds of years earlier, prophesying in great detail what was to come. It's hard to understand that sometimes because we have the modern Bible where it's compiled together. It was not compiled together back then. So there would be a scroll thousands of miles away, written hundreds of years earlier, confirming what would happen thousands of miles this way, a hundred years later, and then hundreds of years after that, they compiled it together and people go, well, of course it prophesied it's in the same book. You say, yeah, but
0: now, (laughs)
1: compiled over time guys, the Bible wasn't written in one sitting, it wasn't written in one place and it doesn't have one uh, physical author, it's all over the Middle East, over hundreds of years, uh, yet they all prophesy in great detail the arrival of this baby in that place by those circumstances to a virgin, it's incredible the amount of prophecies that his birth fulfilled. He was here, and He was here to make a statement to you and I that He was reaching out to us. He didn't say, come up here. He came down here. That shows a proactive God who is actively pursuing His creation because He desires relationship with us. What what our sin and our createdness had separated, God was bringing back together through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 16, verse 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment. Because the Prince of this world world, now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. And that is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. It's been a little while. I think there's a little while to go. I think after that little while there might be a little while to go. I actually don't know how long. (laughs) If anybody does tell you they know, they're trying to sell you something maybe a book but just be careful is all I'm saying but what I know is this is that it's not that Christ was was human he he is human and he is God it's not that he was humble he is humble and it's not that he was here he is here and the Bible tells us he's here by his spirit and that Christ made his home on the earth for those years and when he ascended to heaven his spirit came and it came to fill his people And I know that Christ lives in me because His Spirit is within me. When I opened up my heart to to Christ Jesus, when I placed Him as Lord and Saviour, I received salvation and then I received His Spirit. I was born again. I received new life. And the Bible tells us that we're born by His Spirit. That we we have a birth by the flesh and then a birth by the Spirit. And so I know that Jesus Christ is human, that He's humble and I know that He's here. And I don't mean just here. He is here. But He's also here. He lives in me. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He lives in you. I just invite the team to come and join me as I close. I just want to finish with some scriptures. Revelation 21, verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne, this is Jesus said, I am making everything new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We might become the righteousness of God. I just close with John 3 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, contrary to sometimes pop culture and media, Jesus didn't stay a baby. There's a, a, a funny comedy movie. I've not seen it, but I heard that people pray to baby Jesus. But we've got to remember, Jesus didn't stay a baby. Jesus became a man. And that man had no sin. And that man was the sacrifice for all mankind. That no matter what we have done, our rebellion against God, our sin... No matter what we have done, his sacrifice and his gift is enough for you to be freed from that, to be washed clean and to not just become better, but become a new creation. It's not just a little touch up, a little makeover. You will be transformed beautifully and powerfully from the inside out into who God destined you to be. It's not even like a caterpillar going into a cocoon and becoming a butterfly. The caterpillar goes for a cocoon and God creates something completely brand new. God wants to take everything that's broken, everything that hurts, everything that is hurting others and transform it and shape it in such a way where you'll be able to be like Him, serve others like Him, love others like Him, worship Him and know Him in a deep way. the Christmas story is absolutely about a baby but that baby became a man. That man became a sacrifice, and that man was fully God, and he's the way that you can know salvation. And so, this morning, this Christmas day, you've got an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ. As those scriptures said, by putting your belief, your faith in his finished work on the cross, and through confession, you can receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And I'm here today to, you know, as the scripture said implore you to be reconciled back to God. God sent Jesus for you. The Christmas story has you in it because you're the reason it happened. God loves you. He loved the whole world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life.
0: Thank you so much for joining us online today.